Great to see everyone out. Thank you for coming. And um, looking forward to a good day today. We want we want to seek the Lord. We want to give the Lord a chance to talk to us. I don't say that predicated on what the message is going to be. Don't, don't misread that. I'm just saying we need to take advantage of the time we have. Thankful for all that's going on. We do have um, no big announcements. Um, uh, but the foster is coming in town. But I, right now, I'm. I think I want to make him sit down Wednesday night and listen to me preach to him. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of a get back, you know. <clears throat> uh, but but I do. And then this coming Saturday is going to be our section one conference, which is again. It doesn't directly affect the church, but uh, just as our church has to have a business meeting, our section does, and then our whole district meeting will be coming up later on in the month of March. And uh, so it's good to get all this business out of the way. And uh, that's all the answers that I'm aware of right now. Just remember the Children's Revival coming up? Yes, the Children's Revival is the 10th and 11th, I think. And. Uh, uh, we are working at trying to get flyers together, and I'm going to talk to the post office and see about maybe putting some in post office boxes or something, and see what we can do. I'm, I haven't done that here before, but I think it's a, I think it's an option. So uh, just try to get make people aware. And I'm going to take some flyers to the school, to the elementary school, to let me, and also the junior high has already given me permission. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll make some contacts there. So, praise the Lord. That's good news. Yes. And um, I have a very interesting Bible study with you all today. You may know this, but I, I have to admit, this is one of those facts that I, I uh, had never put two and two together, so maybe it'll be a, kind of a neat idea to you, too. Um, <clears throat> so, are you ready? Yes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, pray that you bless this time. Thank you for the people of God in Chelsea, Oklahoma. Lord, I pray that you bless all that's being done here, every effort to win the lost, every effort to build our families stronger, every effort, Lord, to have a right thinking about the Word of God in our life. pray that you bless this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tragedy can happen in an instant. One moment in time can literally make the difference between life and death, altering the very trajectory of human existence for all time even. And sometimes it can even make differences throughout eternity. So we want to talk about this for just a little while today. Such is the power of one event that happens or one decision that is made at a crucial time in someone's life. It was 37 years ago now that school children around North America sat watching apprehensively such a crucial moment unfold before their very eyes as the Challenger space shuttle lifted off, carrying for the first time a civilian school teacher who planned to make history by teaching her lesson from space. Krista McAuliffe had beat out 11,000 other contestants in a nationwide competition 
to become the first civilian in space. With the full support of her husband, Steve, her nine-year-old son, Scott, and her six-year-old daughter, Caroline, she carried with her the school flag from Concord. from Concord High School in Concord, New Hampshire, where the entire student body was watching the mission on their TV monitor. But suddenly, in a split second of time, what Krista had promised would be the ultimate field trip ended in disaster. The last words radioed on that freezing January morning 37 years ago was from the shuttle commander, Dick uh, uh, Scooby, Roger, go with throttle up. Only 74 seconds into the mission, the watching world knew that something had gone terribly wrong when a huge explosion, an awful plume of smoke, racked the sky above them. It seemed an eternity until the voice of Mission Control uttered the fateful words, obviously a major malfunction. Families were quickly hustled away from the launch site, and horrified teachers tried to calm thousands of children in hundreds of schools around the country. Steve McAuliffe, with Scott and Caroline, sat in Krista's dorm room at NASA, her sneakers still on the floor. This is not how it's supposed to Mission control turned rapidly from mission control to spin control. Rather than delivering the State of the Union address that evening as scheduled, President Ronald Reagan <coughs> made a brief speech and he said this, we'll continue our quest in space. He promised a traumatized Americans around the nation for whom the world word shuttle had once sounded so routine. There will be more shuttle flights and more shuttle crews, and yes, more volunteers, more civilians, more teachers in space. But there would be no shuttle flight for almost three years. There would be no teacher in space. And for those left on the ground, for the families of the seven adventurers who died, there would be years of bitterness, of grief and pain and anger before finally their lives could begin to heal. One moment in time gone horribly wrong, <coughs> irreparably wrong, changed an entire nation. The search, the search for the shuttle debris would take seven months, 31 ships, 52 aircraft, 6,000 workers. It would find Krista McAuliffe's lesson plans for space floating in the Atlantic Ocean and would discover that some of the astronauts had been alive during the three to four minute fall to the sea. Shortly after the last funerals were held, a commission chaired by Secretary of State William Rogers revealed that con the conclusions of the investigation. The explosion of the $1.2 billion spacecraft was due to a faulty O-ring seal on the solid rocket fuel booster. A $900 synthetic rubber band 
that engineers had warned was vulnerable at temperatures below 51 degrees. The Challenger launch canceled three times had finally taken place in a 36 degree weather. The Rogers Commission <coughs> found both the company that made the O-rings and that saw itself guilty of allowing an unavoidable accident to occur. It shouldn't have happened, said Krista's mother, Grace Corrigan. They were told not to launch and they decided 24 other shuttle flights went off okay. They were complacent. One crucial decision gone horribly wrong, irreparably wrong. But now today, our lesson is not about this horrible incident that happened in our nation's history. But think back with me for a moment to mankind's most horrific hour. When Adam and Eve failed God in the Garden of Eden, effectively dragging every one of their descendants that would follow through hundreds, yea, thousands of years down with them into the gaping chasm of sin. A tragic transgression, frozen forever and a split second of failure. When that guillotine, as it were, fell on God's highest creation and severed them from all the destiny that God had really wanted in their life. The Bible tells us that God gave only one command that we can read in Genesis to Adam and Eve, yet they still disobeyed him by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that, that grew in the garden that where they, they ministered, they were husbandmen over it. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. In <clears throat> Genesis 3 and 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit, therefore, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. In that awful instant, how could they have ever known what the ramifications would be of, of a wrong move with their God? In that awful instant, they knew that they were naked before God and each other. I try to fathom that in my mind. Even their own bodies would now be a hindrance to them in their relationship with a holy God. The knowledge that they had looked so desirable only a moment before suddenly lost its attractiveness as the full weight of their moral responsibility fell on their shoulders, which are now called fallen humanity. The Bible doesn't tell us directly what kind of tree our first parents ate from when they disobeyed God, but it does give us a strong hint. Uh, here's the $10 question. 
What was it? <laughs> Fruit? Was it the apple that our society tells us it is all the time, all the advertisements? And you could say, well, what's the difference? But this is an interesting study, and I, I wanted to share this with you today. The Bible doesn't tell us directly what kind of tree our first parents ate from when they disobeyed God, but it does give us a strong hint. Ask yourself this question. When Adam and Eve immediately grasped in desperation for a covering for their nakedness, what was it that their hands fell upon? Fig leaves. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, can this be credible? Or is this just speculation? Well, we have to go a step further. <laughs> You're cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some ace up his sleeve. <laughs> and I'm not showing it. <laughs> oh, my guinea pigs. <laughs> <clears throat> Genesis 3 and 7 and the eyes of them both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons you got to wonder and ask yourself was it just a fig leaf close by or, or were they trying to redo a mistake that they had made with the very fruit of the tree. Lord, I want to take it back. Lord, I want to go backwards five minutes. I want to redo. Isn't that the way that we think? and they made themselves apron from the fig leaves. Man was attempting to cover his fallen nature with the fruit of the tree of knowledge. It was his own thinking that he tried to cover himself with. If I could just take the leaves of the fruit that I partook. Interesting thought. Makes almost makes sense, the way we think, the way I think, the way I've tried to get around things when I didn't want to face God and have to answer for my decisions. His own thinking on how to achieve righteousness before God and conquer the evil that now was moving through his heart. And mankind has been trying in vain to sow fig leaves together ever since. With hundreds of religions, thousands of self-help books, millions of righteous deeds. Lord knows I'm a sinner, but I've tried to help some people. I've acknowledged how many times I've helped little old ladies change attire. You know, we, in other words, we have ways that we try to show our efforts that we try to cover the things that we could not do away with in our lives. But the answer will never be found 
in our garments of goodness, our clothing of competency, or our aprons of accomplishment. In actual fact, it is this very desire to jealously guard our right to choose in matters of good and evil that has been our undoing from the very beginning. Think about that. Don't take away my options. Mankind, the entire mankind, was felled by a fig tree. It's well documented now, catches in ancient Jewish literature, that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. For instance, the example that the Midrash, and I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, refers several times to the fig leaf which bought, brought remorse to the world. I have that reference if anybody wants to look it up. But wait, there's a second fig tree in this tale. What? Yeah, both. Matthew and Mark record a strange event in their Gospels that has always puzzled Bible scholars. Why don't we have John read it? Mark 11, 13 and 14, and 20 and 21. Mark 11, 13 and 14. As in seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came and passly he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. You say 20? Uh, 20 and 21. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Why is this puzzled Bible scholars? Because the Bible clearly tells us it was not a time for figs. Yeah. Jesus, why are you cursing a tree that you made seasons? Seed time and harvest. Why would you curse a fig tree four days before your crucifixion? He came to it and he found nothing. And then he cursed it hereafter forever. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling remember, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursedest is withered away. The dilemma that scholars find in these verses is simple. Jesus cannot be teaching a lesson about the consequences of unfruitfulness here. As is often assumed because it would be clearly unreasonable to expect figs from a fig tree when the time of figs was not yet. There is no seemingly 
sensible explanation for his curse on an innocently barren fig tree. But could it be that there's something much more momentous happening in this mysterious passage? <coughs> Consider for a moment the possibility that Jesus is making an eternal statement here as he walks into Jerusalem only four days from before his crucifixion. Might God be looking back to another faithful day in history as he now stands in flesh before a tree just like the one that started man's slide into sin? That is an interesting thought. This would explain Jesus' otherwise unjustified curse. If he's now bringing judgment on the same type of tree that Adam and Eve first ate of, the one that brought sin and death to humanity, the one that they sewed together to try to hide their nakedness. Jesus curses the root cause of man's problem, leaving it withered and dead. For when the God-man, Jesus Christ, speaks, the curse is cursed. And that's what I'm talking about today. The curse was cursed. The first Adam ate the fruit of the tree and brought death. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, could not find any things to eat. He did not participate in sin. He was sinless. Hebrews 4 and 15. Debbie, you want to read that one? Hebrews 4. 4 and 15. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Ah. So Jesus really needed to come up to the same fruit that Adam and Eve did, didn't he? Hmm. Yes, In all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Talking about the second Adam for a moment. First Corinthians, um, Susie, you got this? First Corinthians 15. Just read 45 and verse 47. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and also verse 47. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The first man is of the earth. Earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. Wow. Yeah. A lot of this makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. Did you all ever know Johnny, Johnny James? He was a black man that could quote the Bible. Unbelievable. Remarkable man. And he once preached the message, second beats first. <laughs> the second man was heavenly, sinless, 
complete whole. The first Adam cursed us. The second Adam blessed us. The first Adam hurt us. The second Adam healed us. The first Adam put us out. The second Adam brought us in. The first Adam put us down, but the second Adam lifted us up. The first Adam put us on the road to hell. The second Adam put us on the road to heaven. The first Adam ate of the tree. The second Adam died <laughs> on a tree. You see, the second Adam brought us the second birth so we could avoid the second death Hallelujah. and we could be ready for the second coming. And all was part of Johnny James's message. Pretty amazing. Um, Sandra, you want to read? I still. Okay, okay, okay. Elaine? <laughs> uh, John 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> Rachel, you okay? Revelations 21 8. Yep. <clears throat> Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Second beats first. So the second birth... Bible talks out here. How about a second death? Revelations 21 and 8. But, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh. <clears throat> and then... Let's have a verse for a second coming. John, uh, Revelations 9, 28. Revelation? Uh, Hebrews, I'm sorry. I meant to say Hebrews 9, 28. Forgive me. I'm still thinking about Revelations. Okay, Hebrews 9 and 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and went and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. So in cursing the fig tree so that it withered and died, <clears throat> Jesus was illustrating something very powerful. His victory over all the factors in the Garden of Eden round which the first Adam failed. No man could ever be able to eat from the cursed fig tree again. And after Calvary, no man would ever have to rely on his own insufficient fig leaves, insufficient power to know good and evil ever again. Jesus was saying, in effect, I am about to reverse the curse that has bound my creation. 
You see, you and I today, we have a second chance. Yes, man. Ah, it's just old religion. They just go to <clears throat> church and act like a bunch of weirdos on Sundays and Wednesdays. No, 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 no. You don't understand. We're opting for a second chance. Yes. We've come face to face with the reality that in our own ability, our own goodness, our own good works, our own fig leaves, we fail miserably. And we realize today, we wished it never happened to Adam and Eve, that one fearful day, that moment of time when they chose to disobey God. And who would have ever known how far-reaching their decision was that would affect all of eternity? It makes me wonder today how important it is every time you decide to choose your second chance versus your first chance. Every time you choose to say, I'm going to do this God's way, I'm going to obey Him, I'm going to submit to His Word, I'm going to love Him more than life itself. What a powerful decision that is. And it also has eternal consequences, not only for you, but for the many that will be impacted by your life as they see you operating in the second chance as opposed to your good works. Our professional sports people with their money have done many philanthropic great deeds. You cannot deny it. They've got some great things they help youth and help in the programs to, to help our young people. You can do nothing but thank God for all that they're doing. But you have to realize the vast difference between first chance and second chance living. You have a second chance. No matter what your life has been up until this point, you have a chance today to reverse the curse of sin that you have carried since you came into this world for it was carried down from Adam into each and every one of us. If you were born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Catchy tune. You should write a song on that. You're better off not to be born at all than to not to be born again. Is that true or not? No. Jesus told that great religious leader, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Because only your second birth can cancel out your second funeral. You think your first funeral is sad. It only lasts an hour, usually. Mine may be quicker. <laughs> Poor Judd is dead. <laughs> Sorry. You had to go see the play, Oklahoma. <clears throat> it only lasts an hour. But your second funeral 
Well, it lasts an eternity, doesn't it? You see, two dimensions to be being born again. Water baptism puts you in Christ. But you have to have the Holy Ghost because Holy Ghost baptism puts Christ in you. I have to be in Him, but I also need Him in me. That's why Acts 2.38 is so awesome. It gives us a chance to truly be born again. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit. That's what Jesus told that Jewish man that day who was well-known, well-educated, a Bible teacher himself. But he had the perception. He knew that Jesus was above and beyond a teacher. And he came to him by night, lest anyone would know. And he said, he said, Lord, we know you are an incredible teacher. And Jesus went and left all that behind and went right to the fact, you must be born again. Well, I have to tell you, my thinking about the fruit in the garden has changed. I think that makes a lot of sense. I knew Jesus had to go into Egypt even as all of Israel had to go through Egypt to get to the Promised Land. I knew he had to be baptized. I knew that he had to pray. I knew that he had to receive. And now it even makes more sense to think that he could return to the scene of the crime, literally, and curse the curse in order that there could be redemption for you and I today. Praise God. What do you think? Thoughts, comments? Need your help. We've got a few minutes to... <laughs> there. Oh, that, that's good. We need that in the song, too. That's very good. <laughs> if y'all don't start commenting, I'm going to have to eat more food. Okay, here. Oh. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> so Mark, we read 11, 13 and 14, and then 20 and 21. Yeah. It's withered away. Verse 22 says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Yeah. So, if we You know, I read this, 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 this is a pilfered, stolen message. Actually, it was given to me free of charge, so I'm not, I'm not telling you I stole it, but I, 
I did feel like it was so valuable. I wanted to share it with you all. If I only tell you all what I know, you're in trouble. <laughs> it makes me want to do a word study on fig trees. What kind of tree was thrown in the waters at Mirabal? What was that? What did she say? She had that on the tip of her tongue. What? But John, I'm sorry. I just happened to read. I happened to read an article the other day about the. Supposedly finding a gate or something, and, and talking about the Garden of Eden. They found the location of the gate to the Garden of Eden. You know, I don't take that serious, but they were saying that it was Jerusalem. And then after you say all that, it's like, well, I wonder if it's the same tree. Well, or the same location. Well, that's what they say, but you know how things change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three rivers. Yeah. yeah. How that when we try to fix things, what did they make? An apron that only covers part of the body. Part of the issue. Yeah. We can only cover up so much and be nice. But when God made a covering for them, it was a complete covering. Yes. Yes. Very good. Yes. 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 So God not only prepares us a better covering, but he curses the very curse that got us into trouble in the first place. There it is. And that, to me, makes more sense about Christian living because anybody who's lived for God for whatever number of years will still tell you, I am capable of messing up. Right. Yeah. We, we never stop being a sinner. Right. But yet... How much better of a life are we living because of our way that we face sin now? And if the curse was cursed, now I can, I can look at things in a new and better way and not be tempted like I once was. Sandra. Amen. We know that God is a gentleman, or that's the way we say it, meaning that um, even though he's in me, he's not going to force me. Right. But his goodness is what calls us to repentance, right? Because yes. he wants to keep that connection with you. And when you hide your sin and don't repent, that connection's lost. Right, because of your fear of God. Right. Wrong fear. Right. God wants fear to be revered, honored. 
not to be hid from. Right. So God is opening up every avenue for us to be able to have a relationship with Him. Yes. To be able to see Him. Yes. I'm saying eye to eye. I don't mean that we're equal. I'm just saying that we, we can have a relationship. Yeah, to me, that, this is, that, that's profound. It really makes a lot of sense. All right, praise the Lord. Appreciate you all so much.